0: Welcome to another episode of the Bacari Sellers Podcast. Today we have none other than Jason Weaver. Deck out in his Chicago Cubs gear, man. What's happening?
1: Hey, man, I rep those Cubs, man. I, I I love them. Although I'm a, a born and raised South Sider, I get a lot of hell for it. But I've been a Cubs fan since I was four years old, since the days of Andre Dawson. So, oh man. I was Look, actually I, just watching them before we hopped on.
0: <laughs> I was just in Chicago. I just landed from Chicago. Let me tell you, at three months uh june july august that there's no city comparable to chicago illinois not the rest of them nine months y'all can have it but them three months of summertime shy especially
1: you know what Bukari, i'm so glad that you said that man because a lot of people do not understand how beautiful summertime shy is you know we uh unfortunately in mainstream media chicago has this reputation of being like you know a very violent city and you know with a, a gangster background and that whole thing and and, and to some degree that that's very true, don't don't get me wrong, that the violence and, and all that kind of stuff exists there. But there's a time, um, even in between all of that that's going on where the city comes together and really comes alive during those summer months. And that's when you see, you know, some of Chicago's best and brightest from, you know, the people on down to different events and and uh, concerts and stuff that we have going on. And just, you know, all the regular stuff that we have around the city for tourists to kind of visit and take part in. So. I'm glad you got a chance uh, to, uh, to feel that love out there. It's yeah, beautiful. Summer,
0: summertime, shy. I love it. But look, so we, we always start our episodes the same way, which we have, I guess, kind of walk us through the arc of their career. But our folks know you, so we'll, we'll skip that usual question. But, but okay. when did you realize your calling would be? Talk about your early ro- roles in the Women of Rooster's Place, the Lion King, and the Jacksons. And at what point did it click for you that you were just a natural?
1: Oh man, great question. I, I mean, um, uh, to be honest with you, ever since I was like four years old, I think the first film uh, that I can really remember was, uh, E.T. And, you know, I saw Drew Barrymore, you know, and the rest of the kids that were cast in in that film. And, uh, you know, I, I knew to some degree it was like, it was make-believe, you know, I, I knew that this wasn't something that was really happening. These kids were like kind of playing pretend. So, uh, you know, that was a game that I liked to play as a kid and just play and pretend. I didn't realize then that I was kind of honing my acting skills, but I I kind of noticed I, I had a natural kind of knack to be able to, um, I don't know, play different personalities, play different kinds of characters. I had the ability to, you know, kind of make people laugh. Um, I had the ability to um, pick up on dialogue, like Almost almost having like a, a photographic memory uh to some degree with being able just to kind of look at dialogue or look at words on a page and they just instantly just kind of stuck in my brain. You know, those things that 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 skill set that I was assessing, uh, I was able to assess at a very early age, like five or six years old, you know, when I first got in the business. So um I've been very, very blessed. I've been able to work with some amazing people throughout that time. I'm pretty sure you have questions about that, but uh, yeah, my, my journey uh, throughout the course of all of these years has just been an extraordinary one. And I'm so grateful to God to, you know, to still be able to, to be here and, and to be alive, to be happy, to be healthy and, and still doing it on a show like, you know, like the shot.
0: You know, you, you, are, you can tell you're a natural and somebody who's been in the business for a while, because my next question was literally talk to me about some of the veterans who you've worked with, who helped shape your craft of acting and who who are they and how have they shaped your work?
1: Oh, another great question. I mean, uh, I've worked with, with legends, uh, living legends in the game from, you know, Whoopi Goldberg. I did my first, my first film was with her and Sissy Spacek. Um, it was a film called, uh, The Long Walk Home, which was based around two families, um, kind of coexisting during the middle of the Montgomery bus cut, um, uh, a black family and a white family and just the, the, uh, the different worlds that they were living in, you know, during that time. And, and, um, because of that film, I I was able to work with, with Whoopi and to learn from her. Uh, cause a lot of my scenes, I played her youngest son in that film. So a lot of my scenes, you know, were with her, uh, another brilliant actor that was featured in in that film. Uh, but it yet to kind of, uh, ascend to where he's at now with Ving Rhames. He played my father in that, uh, Erica Alexander, who everybody knows from *Living single at played my sister. Um, so there were a lot of um, a lot of actors uh, in that particular uh, show that I, I got a chance to learn a great deal from, you know even as far as like method acting and things like that, you know Erica was teaching me different techniques even at like nine years old, um, which ultimately helped me get more roles uh, like the series uh, Brewster plays. Uh, Brewster Place was actually a short-lived series based on, you know, the success of the miniseries Women of Brewster Place. So through that opportunity that blessing, I got the opportunity to work with, you know, Oprah Winfrey at Harpo Studios. Got to see this, you know, amazing black woman, uh, you know, that was employing and bringing together other black actors, specifically in a town like Chicago, where, you know actors there at that particular time weren't getting a lot of opportunities and a lot of looks uh so when we had a, a show like Brewster Place that was in town she really took it upon herself to hire a lot of the local talent and I was one of the people that was fortunate enough to to be on that show with her and then of course you know with people knowing me from the Jackson's miniseries and um you know from some people knowing about my involvement with the Lion King you know on down to at ATL I mean I'm just it's been a very uh beautiful journey so far. And you know, looking back in retrospect, every, you know, film that I've been a part of, every project, every actor that I've I've had the honor and privilege of being able to work alongside, whether they were a huge considered to be a huge star celebrity or, you know, just a great actor, it's 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 all been a learning experience. And uh I wouldn't trade it for the world.
0: I believe your mom was also in the industry. Talk about the uh their experience um, in the industry and how that helped shape you in both acting and music?
1: Yes, sir. Um, no, my mother, uh, her, her real name is Marilyn Haywood, but she goes by Kitty. That's like her nickname or their stage name. Um, me and my family, my, my cousins and I, who have gone on to be hugely, uh, successful producers, um, uh, two of them, uh, for example, Tricky Stewart, uh, and my other cousin, Koo Correll. Tricky, actually, congratulations, Tricky, if you see this, he, just got the new Beyonce single out with Dream right now. Tr-
0: you just dropped that name out there. Like, that's just your, you know, that's, that is the Tricky Stewart. That that's is tri- the Tricky Stewart. You will yeah. not break my soul, Tricky Stewart. Yeah,
1: that's exactly. Single Ladies, Tricky Stewart, Umbrella, Tricky Stewart, all that. Um, no, I come from a musical family. And, um, you know, my mother and my aunts started off in the record industry years ago in Chicago, like early 70s, mid 70s working alongside with people like, you know, Curtis Mayfield, the Ohio Players, Tyrone Davis. Um, And they were able to experience kind of, um, you know, moderate success, uh, but kind of short-lived careers as professional uh, singers in the recording industry. They eventually transitioned over into doing like singles uh, in the Chicago area. A lot of people don't know back then, but Back in the late 70s, well, mid to late 70s and going into the 80s and 90s, there was a advertisement firm called uh, Burrell Communications, still exists today, started by Tom Burrell. Uh, Tom Burrell and his firm basically employed most of, you know, uh, Chicago's Black talent that existed there, whether they were on-screen personalities or talent or actual musicians and singers that were the voices and the creative energy behind some of the biggest ad campaigns uh, and jingle campaigns that that ever came out during that that time. Um, so you know, I grew up watching my mother and my aunts have very successful and lucrative, you know, careers in the jingle industry uh, from the late seventies on into the you know late nineties, when my, my mother eventually retired. So that was kind of like my training ground. You know, even while I was still auditioning as an actor. Uh, the times that I was able to go to work with my mom and kind of observe the environment, you know, that she was working in, I was, I was soaking things up like a sponge, even as far as, you know, just the business in itself and, um, you know, how to conduct yourself in a professional setting like that. Like even as a kid, you know, all of those things I was kind of picking up on due to that environment that my mother had kind of, you know, placed me in, um, indirectly to some degree because she really wasn't putting me in that in that environment to you know kickstart anything it was just I had to go to work my mom she was a single mom you know what I mean um so it it, that really gave me that that opportunity and um you know the just the things that I've picked up along the way I I still carry with me to this day at 42 going on 43 years old you know the things that my mother instilled in me and you know my aunts and my grandmother and even nothing to do with, you know, professionally, but just personally, you know, as a black man and navigating through this this world and this country. And, you know, there's so, much, so many things that that my mother shared with me uh, along the way that I'm truly appreciative and thankful for her uh, for doing it.
0: This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with $25,000. Tons of other multi care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. You know, for those people who haven't watched The Shy, let's talk about it for a minute. Tell sure. me what it's about. What, what is The Shy about?
1: The Shy is, uh, in a nutshell, it's, it's a real story about. Black families living in, on the South side of Chicago that's going through everyday life and navigating through um, everyday issues that people face, but in particularly uh, what people face on the South side of Chicago. Um, you know, of course, we touch on the violence and, um, and we touch on, um, you know, that kind of underworld uh, that, that exists there. Um, and not only just with, you know, the gangster lifestyle, but also with corrupt politicians, things like that. Uh, we talk about, uh, you know, brutality uh, against citizens by, the, by corrupt police officers. Uh, we touch on uh, issues that directly affect and are related to the LGBTQ plus community. Um, what else? We talk about women's issues, in particular, black women's issues when it comes to women's health um oh I mean we touch on we touch on a lot of things uh and I think that's why the show uh, is able to connect with people in in such a a meaningful way is because we're not glorifying anything we're not glamorizing anything we're we're sharing stories and telling stories um that actually happened to people you know just the day-to-day in that city and and I think ultimately what it's been able to do is open up people's eyes as well to the real reality of what Chicago is. Because, again, you know, to kind of harken back to what I was kind of touching on earlier, you know, mainstream media has a tendency, uh, especially when it comes to the black community in Chicago. They just present a one sided view of it just being this very violent, uh, very uncontrollable environment where there you know, are so many you know, crazy things going on, and, you know, again, uh, respectfully, that, that kind of stuff does happen, but that's not the experience that I had growing up, and I'm a true South like, you know, I grew up going to the Bud Billiken parade, and, you know, listening to WGCI on the radio in the summertime when my family was having a cookout, you know, running up and down the street and on, on the block, and, you know, going to the grocery store with my grandmother, and going to Trinity, going to church, and seeing Pastor Wright, you know, preach on Sunday. You know that that was that was my upbringing, that was my reality um, of growing up in Chicago. So I think what the show is basically just doing is giving people that aspect, you know, of what life is like there. And um, you know, of course, we're not we're not curing cancer in any kind of way, or curing like all the social ills that that are. Um, you know, a very well-known that exists in in the city. But I think we're helping to at least present an honest and truthful portrayal of what life is like there. And hopefully it will educate and enlighten people who maybe aren't that familiar of what goes on 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 the South Side in Chicago. And I know it has an effect because I, you know, I hang with a lot of North Siders because I'm a Cubs fan. I'm always up there. And, you know, for people that don't know, um, you know, Chicago is a very segregated city. And, um, you know, nor- the, the world on the north side is, is somewhat totally different from the world that exists on the south side. The north side is a more affluent community. Um, I'd say more diverse, but mostly white, you know what I mean? And what I've learned in those conversations when those friends of mine who I hang out with up there, when they do get a chance to look at the show, we have some very, very interesting conversations based around, you know, the sub- whatever the subject matter was in that particular episode. And what I've learned is that the stuff that we're doing is opening up people's minds and their hearts and allowing them to, you know, see a different side. And, and I think ultimately that's helping to bridge, you know, people together, bring people together.
0: Talk to me about Rashad Marshall. Who is he and what about that role jumped out at you when you first saw the script that you wanted to play it?
1: Oh, well, Shad, you know I think the great thing about that character and why I'm so honored um, and blessed to be able to play a character like that is because I, I I knew guys like that growing up. You know what I mean like, um and and those guys that I know or that i that I've grown up with who are similar to Shad, and based on the journey that they've gone through and the things that they've encountered in life, they rarely get an opportunity to tell their story. Um, they rarely get an opportunity to be shown as you know human beings, as as men that are just you know trying to find their way um, in a world and in a country that isn't very welcoming or or that does is not doesn't easily embrace them as as they should. And so, it's giving me the opportunity. As an actor, as a black man, as a member of that community, uh, to share with people what that experience is like, um, so that you know those those men or, or those people that are that are um, have either been in the criminal justice system, or you know have have dealt in like the street life in some kind of way, and and have um, made bad decisions along the way, you know when you see those kinds of people on the news, everybody is so quick to point a finger and everybody is so quick to judge and condemn, but not a lot of people know the backstory that, that led up to that point. And I think what my character, um, is able to do is I think be able to tell that story truthfully, honestly, respectfully. Um, the character has heart. It's not just about what he's going through. Uh, in the hardships that he encounters, and in the levels of adversity, but what you also see is this this black man overcoming, and and even having enough energy and enough love and compassion in his heart to even reach out to other young black men in his community and trying to help them and bring them up along the way as well. So you know, the character uh, initially, I think, in season four, um, when he was first introduced, I think people. Uh, Probably had an idea that the character was going to go down one way, Um, but I think everyone's been pleasantly surprised to see that you know this character has layers and he's growing and he's evolving, and I'm just really excited to, you know, receive people's opinions about how the character's grown in season five.
0: That brings me to my next question about season (laughs) five. That's a long time for any show. Mm -hmm. How do you think this show stuck so long?
1: Because it's real. I think this the show is sticking along because it's real and we're unapologetic in our realness and in, in authenticity and in, in, in the stories that we're looking to share in the narrative that um we're continuing to thrust out especially about you know the black experience of living in Chicago and living in America you know I think that is connecting because with the way and th- and this is what Lena and the writers and our, and our showrunner Justin is so brilliant at doing is like you know, they're not afraid to, to tackle issues that are controversial or that are viewed as controversial or, you know, socially or politically uh, relevant for today. Um, they're not afraid to do it because they approach the, the these particular subjects with a level of respect uh, to where when I mean, constructing these stories and building out, you know, these stories, they really take the time to think about what the people want to see and what and what the people want. Uh, want to be let known to others who may not be from that community. And because Lena listens to, you know, her, her fan base or her followers or, you know, she stays on social media. And it's not a thing where it's like, you know, the social media aspect influences her work so much that she still can't be truthful as an artist and as a creator putting forth these stories. I just think that she utilizes social, social media in a way That allows her to listen to the people directly and then to be able to take that energy or those things that the people want put out there, you know, to be put out in a script in a very eloquent and, you know, beautiful and artistic and creative way. So I think that's what um, our immediate community sees and respects and acknowledges. Uh, But even people outside of our community, um, from what I've been told, they can see that as well, that there's a lot of care. Uh, and attention, you know, put into these stories and these characters that we're thrusting out there.
0: How can people watch The Shy and when does season five premiere?
1: Season five premieres tomorrow, June 24th on Showtime. You guys can actually check it out, you know, when it comes on, or you can go on the app and, uh, and start streaming. Um, it's, it's, it's great. Uh, what, what I'd just like to say is, is I just encourage people, for those who haven't seen it yet, um, please give it a shot because, and I'm not just saying it because I'm on it. Um, it's black excellence all the way around on that show, man. Like, you know, and and, and I'm not just talking about the actors. I'm talking about, you know, the, the, the writing, the writer's room, uh, the producers, you know, on down to, to our crew members. Um, everybody comes to work day in, day out and pours their heart and soul into the show. And you can definitely see it, um, when you look at the actual work on screen and, uh, you know, for people that, that are already familiar with the, the kind of work that we do on there, please continue to rock with us. I think you guys are really, really going to love the direction that we're taking season five. But again, for those who um, haven't sat down and tapped in with us yet, give us a shot tomorrow and, and see for yourself what I'm talking about. But, you know, I'm so very, very proud and honored to be a part of the shy uh, to be able to represent on behalf of my hometown, on behalf of my people. Um, I'm appreciative to Lena for giving me the opportunity. My sister, I love you. Um, you know, thankful to everybody at Hillman Grad, everybody at Showtime. Uh this is this is a very fun ride to be on right now. Oh,
0: yeah. What else are you working on that you can tell us about? I learned I had to ask you all that question that you can tell us about because <laughs> I don't want to trouble.
1: <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm I'm working on something right now. I'm developing. An animated series at Hillman Grad, alongside with Lena and Rishi Rajani, um, it's a animation series called Team Supreme, which is which was created by a brilliant artist and animator, by a black animator by the name of Joshua Minner. Um And the story or the the show is based around you know kids with disabilities and special needs uh, who have superpowers, and it's a uh, it's a very beautiful project and something that we've been developing for. Quite some time uh, because we just want to make sure that we're checking all the right boxes and that we're, you know, handling the different subject matters and things that we're talking about respectfully. Uh, But we're just now beginning to roll that out and pitch it. Uh, There's another project that I'm currently developing with a good friend of mine, Sherman Dilla Thomas, uh, who's known as like a Chicago historian and cultural ambassador. Brilliant guys. Matter of fact, Bakari, please check him out if you get a chance. I think you would really. You know, appreciate what he's uh, what he's bringing to the table as far as making uh, the world aware of the rich black history that exists in the city of Chicago and so many of us who have contributed uh, to making that city great and those stories getting overlooked. He's now shedding light on those. He's also uh, doing tours, uh, actual bus tours of the South Side of Chicago, and you know, showing people that aren't familiar with the history there, like you know where Muhammad Ali used to live and you know, or Elijah Muhammad, you know, all of this history that that people, you know, aren't aware of. So anyway, we're developing a project together uh, based on one of our former mayors. I won't get into it too deep about that, but he's writing a brilliant script right now with Thomas Lennon uh, based on that. And uh, yeah, we're, we're actually in development for that right now. And we're going to be pitching that in the fall. And I, I, I feel that that's going to be greenlit immediately because it's it's a subject matter that uh, is still very relevant to what's going on uh, in society today.
0: Well, Jason Weaver, thank you for joining the show just for a moment. My brother's been an honor just to sit across from you. Next time I'm in Chicago, I'm calling you though, so you can take me to the spots. Uh, hey,
1: I got you. If you if you come to Chicago in the wintertime, time, I definitely got you. I wanted to tell you too, Bakari, because I'm here in Atlanta. This is where I reside. Before and and I'm gonna let you go. I'm not gonna talk your ear off, but I just want to tell you, man, how much I respect you. And appreciate you, man, for for the brother that you are. I, I look at you, damn near every day on CNN. And I look at you and Mia, Malika Henderson, and Van, and you know Angela, and you know when I look at you guys on TV every day, representing on our behalf and taking the time to educate our people. You know not only about politics, but you know social issues that are happening not only in this country but all around the world that affect our people. Um, I just want to tell you, man, I commend you and I thank you for that. And I appreciate you and the rest of the team over there. Cause you guys are, are doing a hell of a job. Like even during the last election, when we were battling to, to turn the South blue, you know, all of the, the hard work that, uh, that you put down in South Carolina, you were over here in Georgia. I mean, man, you, you were everywhere trying to make it happen, trying to make a better way for our people and, and trying to put people in office that can, that can build legislation that can really, you know, bring about some positive change and, in our immediate community and just in the country in general. So I just want to tell you, man, it is an honor, an absolute honor to be able to sit across from you today and to have a conversation. And please know, man, I'm going to continue to support you because I I think you're a brilliant brother, man.
0: Real talk. I appreciate that, man. Everybody go check out the shot starting tomorrow, uh, June 24th. Go check out the shot. Thank you, Jason. have Have a blessed day, blessed weekend, man.
1: Thank you, Bakari. Same to you, man. God bless you, brother.